Hooker. Down the middle. Got him on the fly. It's Hyatt again. And he's going to take it. Touchdown, Tennessee. 78 yards. Same routine. Stack receiver gets to the safety, and he never slows down. Receiver gets inside to the safety, and he's gone. Can't match up. Too much speed. He's by him. Throws it on the dart. It's over. Hello and welcome to the Dynasty Zoltan podcast. We are here for another prospect preview and today I'll be talking about Jalen Hyatt, the speedy wide receiver out of Tennessee. And I'm excited to be joined by a guy that I've heard a lot recently on podcasts. You can find him on the Smash Accept pod, uh, Mike at Fantasy Nerd Boy on Twitter. Welcome to the Zoltan pod. Hey, what's up, buddy? Nice to nice to finally meet you in person. Um, well, not in person, but you know how how it is on the pods. Um, we, a lot of interaction on on Twitter, and um, it's finally put a face to the all the interactions that we have. And I'm excited to get into this guy today. Yeah, man, absolutely nice to have you. Um, Jalen Hyatt is a very interesting guy to talk about. We were, you know, talking a little bit before we got on air about there's a little bit of a dichotomy where. His ADP is still super high in rookie drafts, but it's hard to find anyone who really likes what they see from him. So I'm excited to dive in and try to figure out, you know, guys like that sometimes end up being values. Like Henry Ruggs is a guy who ended up being value in rookie drafts because people just got so down on him. So uh, definitely uh, excited to talk some more about Jalen Hyatt. Uh, But before we get there, uh, do you want to just tell everyone both where they can find some of your work as well as what your um kind of processes for scouting these rookies sure yeah you know so as you mentioned before i am on smash pod um weekly and then i do um some decent work for uh, dynasty after dark as well so you can kind of catch me on there usually weekly as well um and then nerd boy takes on twitter is where i, I usually do most of my threads or interactions um and then you know getting in the process is very film oriented at first uh, i am big in Devi, so i do watch a lot of these guys even before um they they come out for the draft and i'm just you know watching how they play and and then i i get into the analytics a little bit and i i first off take a look at their um dominator rating and you know target share um and then their breakout age is pretty pretty big for me um and then also the competition that they're going against, you know, what kind of school they're at and, um, you know, what they're looking at from a week to week basis as far as, you know, what kind of coverage they're going to see. Um, so with that, I, I take the film um, and then a little bit of analytics. And then I usually sit on that for a little while. Um, and then you know, the combine happens and I kind of combine that um, up with the testing numbers. And I usually have a pretty good sense by this point in time, uh, between all that film breakdown and, and, you know, the, the numbers and stuff that I, you know, I like to take both and, um, you know, pretty much make an assessment, what kind of prospect and and what kind of DC we're going to be looking at for each player um, throughout that, that whole scheme there. 
Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I, you know, I have a similar process combining the analytics and film. Um, I'm not a college football guy. I mean, I went to Michigan. I'm a big Michigan fan, but I don't watch, you know, other college football essentially at all. I uh, just don't really have the time for it. So I like actually coming into these prospects blind and, you know, getting a sense of things, just looking at the film, but definitely different ways to skin a cat. And I love talking to different people on these prospect previews because there's a lot of different, you know, ways to approach things like that. And Hyatt from both yeah. a film and analytical perspective is a very interesting player um, getting a little bit into his numbers. I mean, he really is a one hit wonder. He didn't go above 300 yards his first two years at Tennessee. And then he basically came out of nowhere to have an absolutely absurd season last year. It's, it's hard to argue with the numbers from last year, 67 catches on 89 targets with 19 yards per catch. That's an insane 75% catch rate given his average depth of target of over 14 yards, um, added 15 touchdowns. He had that uh, 200 plus yard game with five touchdowns against Alabama. This guy, if you just look at him on paper, his junior season was, you know, pretty much unassailable. There's not a lot to not like in it. Yeah. So in his tape, you know, I did do a lot of breakdown with the Akron game and the Alabama game. Um, just because those are his, his big games of of breakout year and just trying to figure out exactly what he's good at. Um, obviously, he's got that game-breaking speed. Um, that is his bread and butter. You know, his speed is, you know, he that's the way he goes. Wherever the coverage is, he gets in the open field and he's usually gone. Um, but, you know, what I like about him is he's got great hands. Um, He's great at, um, you know, his, his hands are natural, um, and then he's he's got good ball checking um, ability, so he can pretty much, you know, pluck it out, um, you know, in the general area. You know, he has a good catch rate, as you mentioned. Um, so, you know, with with that, um, the natural hands and the and the catch radius that he has, um, he's he's pretty much an easy target once he's got that that open field ability. Um, with Tennessee, they, they play a lot of, you know, um, their offense is open, you know, so he had a lot of opportunity in the sense that, you know, he didn't really have to do a whole lot to get into that open field. Um, they were pretty much already open, um, from the, from the jump, um, you know, but I, I think, um, in the right scheme, if he was, you know, to fall into another offense that works open like that, um, he could be a, a pretty decent weapon, uh, for, for any team that's going to take the jump on him. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think we're going to we're going to stick to the positives for the beginning of this podcast. I know there's a lot of a lot of negatives circulating around and we're certainly hit on them as well, but sticking to the positive, um analytically some of the things that stick out to me, I mean, 3.3 yards per route run his his junior year is just absolutely incredible. Um like you said, he's a pretty good contested catch guy. He's only 6 foot 176. So not particularly big, but he is in the 85th percentile in terms of his contested catch rate. I agree with you. I thought his his hands and ball tracking were better to me than his, you know, fighting and actually winning at the catch point. When it was a pure 50-50 ball, he doesn't really have um, the extension or size to make those, you know, insane Traylon Burks type catches. But yeah, he yeah. is good at tracking those balls over his shoulder um, and, you know, hooker through. Uh, I, I noticed this watching a lot of hooker tape. 
his deep ball had a really high arc to it and it really let Hyatt run under it. Um, and that worked really well for his game. So Hyatt is really an excellent deep threat. I, I actually thought his combine, I want to get into that a little bit more. I thought it was a little bit, it was disappointing on the 40, but I think the jumping is being really underrated because he only ran a four, four forty. There was all this talk. He'd run, you know, a four, three, maybe a four, two, eight, maybe threaten the, you know, John Ross 40 time. He wasn't quite yeah. that fast, but the 10 yard split was a 1.5, which is really elite. And he jumped 40 feet vertical and 11 foot three broad jump, which are both, you know, excellent numbers. And, and I like looking at those for receivers because, that's really important for the burst, right? That combined with a 10 yard split shows his acceleration, which is arguably mm-hmm. more important than just the 40 time. Yeah, I do. I do like um, looking into the burst score for him because um, that is, like I said, that's how he works, you know, um, going out and then usually getting behind the defender. I did notice with hook, as well there was a lot of underthrown balls that he can come back for um his his comeback is really good as far as you know coming and getting the ball um after already accelerating um but yeah his his numbers have aside from the 40 you know i mean i think that was disappointing for a lot of people as you said but um you know i i think there's a lot to work with as far as potential goes Um, when looking at those numbers and then you know seeing um you know, the, the tape of, of the way that he actually uses that burst um, to really take advantage of defenders too. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, looking at his burst score on player profile, it's in the 97th percentile. Um, some of the other things that stand out to me, I mean, a lot of his numbers are actually uh, inflated, which is, which is interesting while looking at the quantitative grade, they're inflated both because of the system that Tennessee played and because he really was only on the field his junior year. So a lot of these players, when you compare him to other players, career numbers, his, uh, his like, you know, uh, PPR points per target and uh, team market share are actually pretty high. Cause he just didn't see the field that much until he was already good. Um, while you compare his best season stats and it evens out a little bit, but Let's get in a little bit more to the film and stick to the stick to some of his strengths for the minute. How, how does Hyatt win on the field? What, what types of routes is he running? I I mean, he's lining up ninety two percent in the slot, um, but he's running these deep routes. How do you see him winning on the field? Um, so he really got a lot of free releases in college. Um, mm-hmm. I think his speed made a lot. Of- you know, DBs play off of him, um, which really worked to his benefit, you know? So the fact that he got those free releases, um, he was money on vertical boots. Um, he was, you know, that is his bread and butter. Like I said, he's great on vertical routes. If he gets, gets past you, you're not catching up to him um, nine times out of 10. So, uh, you know, he has some decent footwork, you know, he can, do a little defensive manipulation um, at times where he can change directions on you. Um, But usually he's going vertical um, every time that I see a big play or I see a chunk play coming from him. Um, So, you know, it's his release and his actual ability to run past you is, is what he um, primarily is going to be beating players with um, in the NFL, I think. Yeah, and, and I definitely think the point on that release is a very good one. Um, when you watch the Tennessee tape, 
they're often lined up with four receivers, two on each side, spread out wide in a stack formation. So when I say Hyatt played the slot, mainly he's just playing as the off guy, the flanker in a stack formation. So yeah, he is exactly. getting a free release every single time. He can see the yep. whole field in front of him. No one can t- put their hands on him. And he's just running deep. And and there's a lot of time, you know, not everything's a deep route, right? That 14A dot, he's getting these 40-yard passes. So he has to be getting some shorter ones. But the shorter yep. ones, I noticed, it's a lot of screen passes. Um, it's a lot of comebacks when you know, he is getting 15 to 20 yards of cushion from the defensive back. Um, if we move a little bit into some of the negatives, I'm not seeing a lot of proficient route running from him. Um, I didn't see many, you know, double moves. It's basically just a, just a go route or a post route. Um, when he is running a more complicated route, I mean, not even complicated, but when he's running like a dig or a speed out, uh, personally, I thought that his hips were way too high. I thought he was a little bit stiff. I didn't think he got that low. And to me, for an athlete like that, um, I didn't see the agility that I would like to see for a guy like that, either it is route running or after the catch. Yeah, it's there's no yak to his game. You know, it's really mm-hmm. that big play. And if he's out there, he's gone. But if he catches it um, at that first level there, He's not, he's going to get tackled. You know, he's not breaking tackles. Um, and then he usually gets lost in the sauce a little bit. He gets out there and he does a lot of movement. He gets lost in his own movement most of the time where it's a little choppy. Um, yeah. And then it just, it, you know, I see that so often with him where if he's not running that go route, he's, he's getting lost in his own footwork most of the time. Um He doesn't really make those yak plays that I look for. Um, You know, his mid his mid game is, um, you know, almost absent in the sense that it needs a lot of improvement. Um, And I I need I need that to really dive in. Um, His tape is so limited, where it's just like two or three plays over and over and over again. Um, So is he so hard to break down? Where he could, you know. Um, I, I, I want to say more of him, but there's, there's only like, you know, a few things that you can say that he does. And that's just the reality of Jalen Hyatt. Yeah. He doesn't look like a, like a natural football player. He really looks like you took someone off, off the track and put him on a football field and told him to run straight. I mean, I I love using Matt Harmon. Yeah. I, I love using Matt Harmon's reception perception and he graded terribly. I mean, other than a nine route, He's red all over the reception perception, below average success rate. He is in the fourth percentile against zone. He's in the 18th percentile against press. This guy just doesn't have really a football mind. And and I like what you said about his footwork. When, when he's running basically anything other than a go route, you can almost see him thinking, right? He's like, okay, my next foot goes here. Then my next foot goes here. And then I cut in. But if you're thinking that much, the D-back's going to be able to read what you're seeing and all of his speed yeah. is completely wasted. Yeah, it's those non-vertical roots that really scare me. Because, um, yeah, if he's not relying on speed, his speed is his separation. So yeah. really, he doesn't have that footwork. He doesn't have that first move. Um, and if he's getting press coverage, he's stuck most of the time. You know, because um, his free release is really what he – he made all his big plays on. Um, but once he gets that press coverage, he's, he's stuck and he doesn't make any plays um, unless 
there's a broken play or broken coverage at, at some point in time um, because he can't he can't get separation outside of that speed. Yeah, absolutely. So the Alabama game, for instance, that's that's one that everyone's going to reference, right? He had six catches for 207 yards and five touchdowns against Alabama, right? This isn't a this isn't a bad team. So I both of us obviously watched this game. We we scouted him in it. Four out of this four out of the five touchdowns were 30 plus yards, where he basically ran down the field on a go route untouched from a stack formation. In my opinion, yeah. that's just bad defense. It's bad coaching. It's bad discipline. I don't know what the Alabama defense is doing, but it's hard for me to give credit to Jalen Hyatt on those types of plays. And and his film is just littered with plays that it's like, I don't know what the heck the defense was doing. And I have to assume yeah. in the NFL, they'll do a better job. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, I don't think he's, I, I don't understand um, how he got those free releases all game yeah. in Alabama. You know, he was... Not even they were ten feet out every time, almost. You know they were playing his speed, um, and and you know if you're giving him that much time to accelerate, you know if you're not touching him, if you're not moving him off of his acceleration a little bit, he's gonna beat you. You know he's not gonna see that in the NFL. Um, like you said, it's it's not gonna happen unless there's a broken play. You know I think that'll happen every once in a while in the NFL, but you know they're not gonna be scared of his speed to the point of just letting him you know, run, run wild. Um, that, yeah, enigma watching that game, especially towards the end where they were still letting him do it. And I just couldn't, I couldn't believe that, but that's more of a testament to Alabama's um, defense than anything else. Yeah. I, I didn't get the coaching. I mean, th- there were literally plays where the defensive back was still backpedaling. They didn't have safety help over the top. They were in man coverage and Hyatt was r- literally even with them. And the D back was still backpedaling. It's I, I just don't understand what that coaching was. And it yeah. happened a lot. Like it's, it's weird because it's, I, I don't want to be criticizing, you know, these defenses and coaches and almost making up excuses for why Hyatt was productive because I mean, he was incredibly productive last season, but I just saw nothing on tape. Like I, there was one dig route I have in my notes where I thought he actually did a good job sinking his hips low and getting open. And that's basically it. Like, it's not even like he was running good, you know, out and ups. It's not like he was running strong comebacks. Um, Like you said, his, his hands are totally solid, uh, but he's not going to be a guy like Jalen Waddle who's going to have all these scheme touches for him. Like they ran a few jet sweeps with him. I don't think he was that effective because like you said, he's not that good after the catch. He's not that good with the ball in his hands because he doesn't have the side to side wiggle that a guy like Zay flowers has, or Josh downs has, and he doesn't have the physicality that a guy like, you know, Jackson Smith, the Jigba might have. So if he's not going to be effective after the catch to get manufactured touches, and he's not good at route running to get open, I struggle to see how he's going to be effective in the NFL as more than just a absolute field stretcher, you know, Marquez Valdez Scantling type. Yeah, he would be, that's exactly how it, I was going to actually comp him to that. Um, yeah. Because he, he will rely on just the big play and, and he's going to be a project because I think if he lands in a, a good spot, you know, if he lands in a, a good coaching um, situation, they can, they can coach him up in that mid game. I'm not saying that I don't see anything in his tape that wouldn't, you know, translate to maybe some productive mid mid game where he can work on his footwork. Um, these things can be coached into a, a, you know, I think he can be coached into being a decent NFL wide receiver. 
Um, but it's there's no way that he can just go in with this single, you know, this speed um, without anything attached to it and be uh, extremely successful. I think he could be a very good NFL wide receiver, but not a great fantasy wide receiver, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And, and you know, the elephant in the room is, you know, so, so my, my grade on him from a from a fantasy perspective is I, I'm not interested at all, essentially. Um, but from an NFL perspective, he's going to go in the top 45 picks at least, right? He, he's he slipped a little bit after his combine. It looks like he's going, you know, late round one, early round two. So clearly the NFL is seeing something and, and I, I'm not saying the NFL is wrong. There's a lot of value to having that field stretcher. Um, first of all, he's a pretty good blocker for his size and for his, you know, type of yeah. wide receiver. He's going to open up mm-hmm. the box because when, when he's on the field, you do need to shift a, sh- a safety his way or you need the D back to play off coverage. So that's one less guy or maybe two less guys who are in the box helping out on the run game, helping out underneath. So I see his value to the NFL. There's a reason the NFL is constantly taking these speed guys who have little else above where, you know, their fantasy production might merit. Um, so I get that why he's going early, but I, I just don't see a whole lot in his game to make me think that he's going to be a, you know, super productive receiver getting, let's say even 75 catches a year. I, I don't see him getting there. Yeah, no, he's it. I have him as boomer bust. Um, no, I have him as somebody that could break, you know, for a monster game and then not do anything for the next three or four games. Um, you know, I think, I think he has that big playability and I think he'd be a threat every game. Um, I think his blocking is a good point that he will see the field, um, regardless of just having that speed and just having that, that one trick in his, in his bag. Um, I think that, you know, I could just use him as a blocker and then have him, um, you know, run those go routes every once in a while and, and he might get lucky, but, I, I don't think he's somebody that I am going to be taking um, unless he, you know, dramatically slides to me, um, you know, in the back end of the second or early third, at least, you know, as opposed to what I think we every, everyone valued him as a, a first round pick, I think maybe four months ago um, when they when they thought he's getting a first round DC and, um, you know, coming off that award season, that early breakout season that um you know if, if you're not a tape guy i don't it's it's hard um to really value or, or trust him because his his numbers are great um so it, it's I, I don't fault people if they want to shoot for the for the moon there um but he he is going to profile as a as a boomer boss guy for sure yeah and i and i think i i think this is what you're saying and i just want to clarify you're saying he's a week to week boom bust guy but you don't see him having like a boom ceiling career outcome no i i see him like you said like an mvs you know he is somebody that you would not be able to necessarily trust a week to week um basis as far as fantasy production goes Got um it, yeah i don't I don't think he has a crazy high ceiling. I think his floor is very, very low, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so I think he had might have like a mid a mid ceiling with a very, very low floor. You know, like I think his his floor is zero at this point um, on a week to week basis. But like I said, he, he could have those big. He just needs one big play in a game. You know, 
Um, so it's not somebody that I feel comfortable using a, a really high rookie pick on. Um, yeah. When and there's so many that, other safer guys. Yeah. And he's, he's the type of guy that, you know, if you are in a best ball league, he's not the worst guy to have on your team because all he needs, you know, one catch for 80 yards and a touchdown, that's 15 fantasy points. And he'll get that a few times a season, but trying to predict if you're in a lineup setting league, trying to predict which weeks he gets that is basically impossible. So let, let's take a step back and uh, I want to compare him to some other wide receivers who have been able to kind of go above just that pure speed guy. And, and can you tell me why he's not th- these guys? So Jamison Williams, um, Henry Ruggs, uh, Deshaun Jackson, Will Fuller, th- these are all players who've been able to put up you know, more consistent num. I mean, Jamison Williams, not yet, but hypothetically more consistent numbers been able to get, you know, the five plus catches a week, even, even Deshaun Jackson, he was very usable, uh, even though he was only a deep threat. What makes you think that Jalen Hyatt can't reach, you know, those heights? So Deshaun Jackson, he was that big home run guy, but he also had a great deception to his game. You know, he, he was deceiving. He could, he could um, do a lot of play deception that Hyatt doesn't have in his bag at all. Um, he has some great um, line work as far as, you know, his release, um, the way that he gets off of the line. Um, he, you know, he has that movement to his game. You know, he can he can stop go. Um, I don't see Hyatt having that, that stop go ability. Um, he is just go, go, go. You know, he doesn't stop on the dime and change directions, uh, you know, these guys all had that. They they could change the direction. They could, um, you know, just change up their entire route, their route tree. Even though um, they're home run guys, they um, could do a little bit more in the mid game already coming out as a prospect than Hyatt has right now. Yeah, no, I I completely agree with that. I mean, I I tried to compare him to guys like Rugs. Um, but I actually went back and looked at Henry Ruggs like college film, which, which I, again, I didn't love, but he just ran a way more complicated route tree. I think he was better in terms of his contested catches and he wasn't running this, like uh, honestly what Tennessee was doing credit to their coaching staff. Like they were getting him wide open, but that's just not how it works in the NFL. He wasn't, uh, he was playing against these defenses that just aren't going to exist anymore in the NFL. So I think he's more like we mentioned MBS earlier. Um, another guy that came to mind was Demarcus Robinson. Um, Tyquan Thornton um, is a guy, yep. you know, with a little bit more height. But when I was scouting Thornton last year, I have almost the exact same grade. Looking at my film grades, I actually have Thornton rated higher than Jalen Hyatt. Um, and, you know, there he's my number one comp just looking at my film grade there. So I, I think that's far more the type of player that he fits into. And that's, you know, not a guy who's going to be successful in the fantasy realm. So uh, honestly, the other guy that I have is a guy I know you went to UMass is Andy Isabella. Um, a little yeah. bit smaller, but the same type of thing where at UMass, he was just getting these home run plays, hitting them over the top. Uh, he was actually a little bit better after the catch at UMass, but against obviously weaker competition, but it just never was going to translate to the NFL. But these guys like Thornton and Isabella, they were going uh, late third, even though they were second round picks in the draft, which is where Hyatt is currently projected. They were going as late third in the fantasy drafts, early fourths in some cases. So why is Hyatt going in the early mid second? And and do you think that's going to last as we get in the draft season? Or do you think his ADP is going to 
fall more into the, you know, thirties or so. I think his, his early declare um, with the combination of the, the Bletnikoff um, award, you know, um, I think that really has people high on him. Um, you know, not, I don't think any prospect that's gotten that award um, hasn't gone in the first round. I mean, Addison got it, but he hasn't you know, obviously come out yet. Um, but I think that is probably the reason why people were so hyped up on him in the beginning. You know, they just saw this monster year um, as an early declare that, you know, didn't really watch their his tape or they just looked at the numbers and um, they don't really know how he got those numbers. They're just saying, oh, wow, like that's a crazy season. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think it's pretty much a, you know, jump on this guy while you can. But then, you know, that that dive into his tip and, um, you know, Tennessee's scheme is amazing to, you know, if he, you know, right, right when Tillman went down, um, this guy was the bread and butter of the, the squad. You know, he was um, the person that they just schemed the entire offense around. Um, so, you know, I, the numbers are amazing. I don't, I don't, fall anybody for getting on this guy at the beginning but um i think we need to pump the brakes a little bit after seeing how these numbers actually transpired and how he got to there that point um because like i said it's it's releases and you know um all no press coverage and um it's just not not looking good on tape (laughs) yeah no it's uh the i often hear the uh in the NBA, they refer to like the Miami Heat uh, defense as a junk defense. Um, and oftentimes it does really well because the other teams just aren't used to it. I kind of think of the volunteers offense as a junk offense. And I mean that in a good way, but teams just weren't comfortable with it and didn't adjust quickly enough. Um, I, I know we've thrown a lot of names out there. Do you have any other player comps for uh, for Hyatt before we move on to uh, the rankings? Uh- he has like an early, I know this is thrown out a lot, but like an early career um, Will Fuller in the sense yeah. that, you know, um, very unpolished, you know, somebody that will see a big play every once in a while, but would work well as like a wide receiver three on most teams. Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. And, and Will Fuller did improve a lot. Um, I think he improved his route running a lot. And again, Hyatt is only 21 years old. We're not saying that he's a finished product. Um, Will Fuller obviously struggled with injuries, so it's tough looking at his season-long numbers. But by year three, he was putting up 70 yards a game. His last year in Houston before he got injured, he was putting up 80 yards a game and had eight touchdowns in his first 11 games. He was a wide receiver one. I think we both agree and have kind of outlined why we think it's unlikely that Hyatt gets there, but... There is that hypothetical ceiling there um, that I can see why people are betting on. I, I do think he'll settle in around kind of late second round ADP, assuming he goes around, you know, pick 40, which is where he's currently projected. Are, are there any teams that you see as like a great fit for him that could use him? Maybe not the same as Tennessee, but where he could just really excel because of the system. Um. 
I'm trying to think of who is around there. I haven't even done any mock projections at the moment. Um, yeah, so I, I, I can throw some. I can throw some out for you while you're thinking. Um, so first of all, for me, what came to mind was Vegas, just because Vegas loves the speed. I I don't think yeah. he's a good fit with Jimmy Garoppolo because he doesn't have the arm. But I could see Vegas picking him at 38. Uh, the yeah. the one fit that I really did like um, was 37 to Seattle. Um, Seattle has Tyler Lockett to operate in the middle of the field. DK Metcalf is going to really occupy a lot of attention. I could see Jalen Hyatt getting a lot of one-on-one coverage. Geno Smith was one of the best deep ball passers in the NFL last season. And that's always really been the best part of his game. I I could see him succeeding in a place like that. I mean, relative success. Yeah, I would, I would definitely like Seattle there. Um, man, I don't know why i would love him in buffalo um Mm. i just want i would love to see i know when he was projected as a a late first that was a popular landing spot for him um you know i think he could be what people want gabe davis to be um i mean i think he could slide that role in but i think he's he's already um you know he is a gabe davis in my mind for the most part um besides, you know, not having that speed that Gabe Davis does not. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of teams that nobody really plays like Tennessee does with that open offense Um, in the NFL. That's a very college scheme, Um, you know, that nobody draws that up um, to the level that they were doing that. Um, But, yeah, I, I think you're right. Seattle would be a great a great fit for him in that in that range. So uh, given, you know, all that we've talked about Jalen Hyatt so far, where is he in your wide receiver rankings at this point? Uh, currently, he's probably about wide receiver seven, wide receiver six, seven, that range. Um, I think that, you know, draft capital will have me kind of moving them around in that range from six mm-hmm. to seven area. Um, but there's a lot of guys that, you know, I'd safely take over him based on their floor um, more than anything so, else. I think. That- so I take it your top five. I mean, most people's top five in some order is uh, Smith, Ajigba, Downs, Johnston, Addison, and Flowers. And then Hyatt, you would say falls in somewhere the tier below those five. Yeah, there's Hyatt, and then I have a tier of Hyatt and Tillman and, and Mims that um, I think are all have those question marks, and they're in that, like, you know, could be bust category, but could also, you know, translate to a decent fantasy player. Um, so that that's that, that tier of player that I haven't really solidified yet. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I even have him a little bit lower than that. Um, at this point, I would take Mims over him. I would take Kayshawn Booty over him. I would probably, you know, if, if a guy like Cedric Tillman gets third round draft capital, I'd probably take him over him. But more importantly, I'm taking the tight ends in that range. I'm taking the yep. running backs in that range. You know, Tajay sure. Spears, Kendra Miller, um, Tank Bigsby, I'm taking all the, you know, Luke Musgrave, I'm taking all of those guys over Hyatt. You know, I'm probably going to have zero shares of him unless he really falls to Tyquan Thornton range because it, th- the more that you play fantasy, the more you learn that these 
these backup wide receivers who are, you know, the Gabe Davis types, which even is probably highest like value ceiling, they don't end up being super valuable because it's so easy to find to find replacement level at wide receiver. And they don't have the advantage that a running back has where if they're a backup and the starter gets hurt, all of a sudden they're a top 12 option. That, that's just not how yeah. it works at wide receiver. Like if Stefan Diggs gets hurt, Gabe Davis is not a top 12 wide receiver. Um, that's just, but when, you know, David Montgomery got hurt, Khalil Herbert was a top 12 running back. It, it's just that big difference there. So I like yep. stacking after my first, you know, 13, 14 players on my roster. I like stacking backup running backs, backup quarterbacks, high upside young tight ends. And a guy like Jalen Hyatt, I just don't see the ceiling to roster him in that range. I agree. Yeah, there's that whole second round is going to be chock full of value as far as running backs, tight ends. Um, you know, I, I can't blow a second on Hyatt. And like you said, if he slides into the, you know, the the early third, mid third area, um, I will, you know, I'll, I'll grab a share of him, but I, I probably won't be having any Hyatt on any of the rosters as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, awesome. So this has been the prospect preview on Jalen Hyatt. Uh, any last words uh, before we uh, sign off and want to remind everyone where they can find your work? Yeah, no, you can always find me on Twitter at NerdBoyTakes. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I'm just glad that we finally got to do this. And, uh, you know, thanks for having me, brother. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for hopping on. I'm sure we'll be uh, collabing on here as well in the future on the Smash Accept pod as well. Uh, definitely check that out. I've, I love the work that they do. Some of the best like strategy podcasts that I absolutely love when it comes to rebuilding doing the one-year punt, figuring out how to rebuild an orphan. Um, I got some plans to collab with the Smash Accept pod soon for the upcoming NFL draft and things like that as well. So definitely subscribe to their feed as well. Check out uh, Fantasy Nerd Boy on Twitter as well. And uh, thanks again for tuning in to the Dynasty's Ultan podcast. We'll be hearing us again soon.